podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Jessica Kissiel, the author of Winning the Injury Game, How to Stop Chronic Pain and Achieve Peak Performance, an athlete's guide to rapidly overcoming chronic pain. When athletes and active people can't perform at their peak because of chronic pain, it's frustrating and life can feel incomplete. It's a story that author Jessica Kissiel, exercise physiologist and former professional athlete, knows all too well. Kisiel has helped hundreds of athletes and weekend warriors return to the sports they love with increased confidence, strength, and resilience in body and mind. She now shares her holistic, accelerated recovery techniques in winning the injury game. Jessica Kisiel is a coach, former professional athlete, and author of Winning the Injury Game. She suffered with chronic pain and severe hip osteoarthritis for several years before finding relief through posture therapy. A dedicated wellness professional for over 25 years, she has helped hundreds of people across the world regain their active lifestyle. She holds certifications from the Postural Restoration Institute, PRI, EgoSkew University, National Strength and Conditioning Association, NSCA, American College of Sports Medicine, ACSM, Well Coaches Corporation, and the American Council on Exercise, ACE. Meet Jessica at thepfathlete.com. Here is the interview with Jessica Kissiel. In your own words, who is Jessica Kissel? Well, I'm a woman. I'm a happily married wife, a friend, a sister, a daughter, a dog mom. I have two rescue puppies that I adore. <laughs> I've been through a lot in my life. I've had some difficulties. I'm someone who has overcome chronic pain. I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Yeah. And more recently, I've overcome breast cancer. Oh. Uh, yeah, diagnosed just two years ago. That's not even in the book because right. that was after. Yeah. Not in the beginning, but now I'm someone who looks at these difficulties, these challenges as opportunities. I try to be positive and ask myself how I can grow from these situations. I remember when I had my, was looking at my fourth musculoskeletal surgery, I just read Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. How am I going to make some meaning out of this? How can I turn this situation into a positive? How can I grow? What can I learn? And then what can I teach others? So I'm really all about learning. I'm a lifelong learner. And then I like to teach people what I've learned through my knowledge, through my experience, because I have a strong desire to help people. I want to teach. I want to inspire, motivate, challenge people and help them grow and recover in their lives and lead by example. Mm, right. How wonderful, Jessica. Thank you for being you. Thank you. Yeah, we need more of these models in the world. Beautiful. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book, winning the injury game, how to stop chronic pain and achieve peak performance, 
I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned off record. So the first one, what is life to you? Not the meaning of life, but what is life? What is this experience? Life is right now. Life is the present moment. This is all we have. This is our experience. And our life is built of many simple but special moments that add on to each other and create many experiences to fill our time. And too many of us live in the past or in the future and we need to be right here, right now. And, and I'm still, I should have said, I'm a work in progress and this is something I'm still learning and developing and refining being present and living my life to the fullest in the now. Yeah, I love that. What a wonderful perspective. And I believe that too. Absolutely. So my next question about life is, what do you think is the purpose of the human experience? Ooh, the ultimate purpose of the human experience. Hmm. You know, it's interesting I remember talking to a friend of mine when I was diagnosed with breast cancer and my life changed with that. I mean, being a health professional, helping working in corporate wellness to help prevent disease, help people stay healthy and then to get diagnosed with something like that. And I've been pushing and driving so hard, like so many of us that care so much like you do. And a friend of mine said, do you know you're supposed to enjoy life? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we were all here to do a good, we're to, we have purpose and meaning, but we need to remember that we're here to enjoy ourselves, to savor our experiences, our life, mm-hmm. those special moments, and not to rush through. I believe that too. So true. And I'm wondering how do we balance? Do you believe in balance? Of course I believe in balance. I'm a posture alignment therapist. Right. Right. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) So of course we have to balance. It's it's not just balancing our, our position, our posture, but it's also a balance of stress and recovery, a balancing and alternating gracefully between our sympathetic nervous system, our our drive, our fight and flight, our productivity, and then our parasympathetic, our calm, rest and digest system. And believe me, I didn't didn't know that. (laughs) And I was very much stuck in that drive stress response state, probably uh, maybe contributing to the breast cancer because I was driving too hard. But now it's really about finding that balance in, in, in our bodies, in our systems, in our, in our nervous system, and how we can gracefully, easily go back and forth. Mm, Yes. And I love your approach in a book. You talk about the alignment of all these components of life, the emotional, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual components, right? So I'll be asking you questions in a moment about that. But for now, let me ask you this question. What is your own definition for health and wellness? What is to be truly healthy and well, in your opinion? Health is not just absence of disease. Health and wellness are balanced, like we just discussed. It's living authentically who we are in the present moment. Some of us have challenges, have diseases, but I still believe we can be healthy Physically, there may be challenges, but we can be healthy in our mind, in our attitudes, in our perspectives. There can still be health and wellness despite having some of these other challenges. 
Beautifully said. Yeah, I believe that too. I know that's um, challenging for us to be well, to be peaceful when we are in pain. I'm not in pain at this moment, but I have been. And I noticed how it's easy to become distracted by the pain and become stressed and negative and all that. How do you define pain? And another question is, you speak in your book about this relationship with pain. What kind of relationship would be better for us to have with pain to heal? So pain for a lot of us immediately invokes fear. And that we jump to worst case scenario. I have this pain in my shoulder. I must need surgery. Our bones, our tissues can't talk to us. And some of us, myself included, are a little hard-headed when the body tries to talk to us. You know, it gets a little sore, a little tight, a little achy, but it's easy to brush that off, right? So to get our attention Mm -hmm. that we take the right action, the body sometimes has to go, hello, and (laughs) it sends a signal. And a pain is a signal. It's an experience. It's not just a physical experience because what happens when we have pain, like I said, we go to fear. It is very much a mental, emotional experience. And that's what I'm talking about when you talk about the relationship with pain. It's how we're viewing the pain, how we respond to the pain, almost dare I say, becoming friends with the pain, becoming curious mm. about the pain. When I have a pain and I, and I didn't start this way, it's like, oh, I'm having this pain in my body. I wonder what might be going on. I wonder how my body might be not functioning, not in the right position that I'm creating some stress and tension. Let me see if I can kind of figure that out instead of jumping to oh my God, this is the end of the world. I'm never going to be able to get on my bike again, which is where a lot of us stay. It goes back to self-awareness, right, Jessica? It's all about being aware. You did read my book. That is the first thing that we have to have to heal. We have to be aware. We have to know ourselves. We have to be in touch with our bodies. We have to listen to our bodies. We can't change what we don't know about. We can't change if we are sitting slumped and or we're standing with more weight on our left side. We can't change that unless we are first aware of it. That's where it starts. And I know you talk about alignment, imbalances and all that. And I'm just wondering here, how can we do all this in and still be happy in a way? <laughs> Because too many things to be attentive to. It can be overwhelming. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. I mean, especially being who I am now, I have to turn it off because when I walk, watch people walk down the street and stuff, it's like, oh my goodness, let me go talk to her. She needs, you know, Um, but you're right. And, and, And posture and how we hold our bodies, how we move, It shouldn't be something that happens at our cognitive level. We shouldn't have to think about it every moment of every day. Like you say, we'd never get anything done. Right. (laughs) But the more we, we remind the body, give it the right stimulus, as we call it. Every time I sit up straight or I pull my shoulders back or think about how my feet are hitting the floor when I'm walking, that's just going to help ingrain those patterns because we're all patterned. We're patterned in our body. We're patterned in our minds. And it's a matter of changing those patterns that then will become automatic and we don't have to think about them. So I have more questions for you, Hugh, about that. But before we move to that section of the conversation, let me ask you a few more warm-up questions. What is another word for healing, Jessica? In my book, I use the word recovery as a synonym for for healing. And 
recovery meaning you're back to doing those activities that you want to do, that you're feeling strong, feeling aligned, have an optimistic outlook. As I say, it's not just the physical getting the bones racked back in the right place, but it's having the whole person in a more balanced state that they can take on challenges. It's confidence. We've got to have the confidence and not let pain restrict us into a very tight little circle where we're not doing much because we're afraid. It's not having that, that fear. So in a way, everything stems from fear. Pain is not actually the, um, a big problem itself, although it could become, but is the way we interpret pain by being fearful. That is interesting. You're absolutely right. And usually when people talk to me about their pain, they're not really, you know, yeah, these physical sensations are upsetting, but what's really got them wound up is I'm going to be like this forever. I'm never going to be able to ski, bike, run, swim, whatever it is. My lifestyle has been impacted. My social network, my support It's those mental, emotional pieces that tend to be more devastating when you're in chronic pain for a lot of people than the actual physical hurting. And one of the things that caught my attention in your book, it's you talk about the fear that relates to grief of losing identity. <laughs> that was interesting when I asked you, who are you today? And then you said so many things. So because that's the message that you are putting out there as well. You have so many messages. This is one of them, that we are not just one thing. We don't have to hold down to one identity only and make that everything, right? Right. And I probably didn't even mention in that, that intro that I'm, I'm an athlete. And that's what I talk about in the book is how if our identity is really strongly wrapped around being that athlete, and we don't have a lot outside of that as far as who we are, then it's very, very difficult when we get an injury because we feel very lost. We don't know who we are because we've always been that elite swimmer or that triathlete that does Ironmans. We we're at a loss. Who, who am I without sport, without this recognition, without this, um, these successes? Mm. So true. Do you think this is actually more challenging for athletes than for the rest of us? Again, I think it goes back to how much diversity you have in your life. And if you're talking about, let's say, Olympic athletes, I think they have a lot more invested and their, their life is going to be much more uprooted than someone who's got a career and a family and a garden and, you know, other <laughs> interests and they, they're hurt and they can't go for their daily walks or runs. That's going to be upsetting, but they have all these other aspects of their life and who they are to fall back on. And you just shift your focus for a while. But if you're an athlete who doesn't have all those other things, where do they shift their focus? I love when you said about pet owner. You're also a pet owner. <laughs> that was cute. I was laughing at that. <laughs> That's true. That's meaningful very too. important to me. <laughs> right, right. So I have two more questions here, the next ones that relate to being a female in a human body. What do you love most about being a woman? You're a little bit stumping me here. <laughs> I changed the subject <laughs> too quickly, perhaps. <laughs> no, that's, that's okay. Well, I think we're a woman, being a woman in this time is very exciting because we're now able to do a lot that we weren't able to do before. Title IX, we couldn't even do a lot of sports. We're able to 
compete at higher levels. We're able to be entrepreneurs and pursue any kind of career that we want to follow our dreams. So being a woman in these times is really liberating. Liberating. I love that word. And I do have a question for you about that. (laughs) But before, uh, let me ask you a follow-up question. What is the most challenging aspect about being a woman from your perspective? We aren't seen as equals with men in, in a lot of, in a lot of ways and a lot of professions. I don't think we're always taken as seriously or we have to work harder for that recognition, that feedback and so forth. Um, I think a lot of women that I know and myself that we feel like we have to work harder, do more, accomplish more to get the same respect as a man. I agree. Do you think this is changing? I think it is. I I mean, we have a lot of strong female leaders out there which are are paving the way, you being one of them. You're doing Mm -hmm. amazing work, bringing these healing conversations and different perspectives to the world. I think women are becoming brave and courageous and getting out there and not feeling inhibited and going for it. It's wonderful to see, right? At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? At this time, with this pandemic, I've been talking to my clients a lot about self-care. Even though we may not realize it, we are all experiencing a tremendous amount of stress. There's an extra layer of stress around the world right now. And even if we're not directly impacted by, by COVID, but really all of us are, We need to take care of ourselves. We need to take that time to do those self-nurturing practices that bring us health, bring us relaxation, get us into that parasympathetic nervous system that are fun, that we enjoy, that make us laugh. It's so important right now that we we take that time because I know working with clients for over a decade, the first thing that goes when we're stressed is our self-care. It's like, oh, I didn't have time to do my exercises. I didn't have uh, more important things to do. But you know what? Right now, you got to take care of yourself because that really is so important. And do you connect self-care to self-love somehow? Oh, absolutely. And that's the problem. <laughs> it's, it really, it is because so many of us have a problem loving ourselves, mm. have a problem with mm. self-compassion. It's seen as weakness when mm. we're kind to ourselves. We think we have to hit ourselves down and be negative in order for us to rise up. But studies are showing that that's not working. It's the opposite, that we've got to be kinder, be gentler, and we have to love ourselves so that we can be the best people we can and experience and produce and grow the world. Yeah, that's such an important point, this comment you made about that we feel like we should be doing something else, like instead of uh, treating ourselves with kindness and self-compassion, we are doing quite the opposite and we are not aware of it. I noticed for many years with myself, not being aware of these behaviors. See, it starts with awareness. (laughs) Yeah, it does, Jessica, very much, yeah. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? I could look at this from many perspectives. I'm going to take the perspective of someone in chronic pain because chronic pain could be seen as a ball and chain. It's something that holds you down, holds you back, restricts your activities, 
limits your opportunities, keeps you isolated. You know, we're all isolated at home right now, but not being able to get out with the groups and experience those social interactions. Freedom is not having to worry about my body, having the confidence that I can put on my running shoes, ski boots, hiking boots, whatever it is, and go out and get into nature. Freedom for me is moving in nature. It's freedom to move without fear, without worry, and just being in the moment and feeling the sun, the wind, and just experiencing that wonderful, wonderful movement. (laughs) That's so inspiring, nature. And nature itself inspires movement. Everything's moving in nature. It's changing, moving. What, where, and who is God to you? Another tough one. I grew up Catholic and went to all-girls Catholic high school, but I don't consider myself religious. I'm learning about spirituality and trying to grow and learn and expand myself in, in that way. I don't know what what God is. I I agree God is in nature. That's where I when people talk about going to church, I talk about getting outside and moving and being in nature. That's where I see a greater presence, a greater being, be it a god, be it universal energy, whatever you want to say that is. Um, I see it outside. I see it in other people. I see it in the good and the kind. You have to look for it now. <laughs> but but I see, I see it. I do see it. I see it in, in art. It It's out there. We have to look for it. But I'm still exploring that question for myself. I love how you connected God to nature again. Let's talk about your book, And my first question had to be this one. How did you become a writer, Jessica? Writing helped me heal. I began writing to help me process and capture what was going on while I was going through my journey of recovery and healing. And as I say, I've always liked to teach people and writing really makes you clarify what you're learning and that you know. And then of course, teaching even takes it to another level. So I just started writing blogs. As I was talking with, I'm a wellness coach and talking with a mentor and she's like, you just got to start doing this. And so I was like, okay, I'll just, I don't feel ready. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a very good writer, but all right. So I just started writing and I've written over 120 plus blogs at this point. So it was part of my healing, part of my recovery, but then also part of my deep desire to share my experiences and my knowledge with others so that they can benefit and heal as well. Yeah, I love that mission, this intention. It's really beautiful. So what was the um, intention, speaking of intention and inspiration to write your book, Winning the Injury Game? A lot of people in chronic pain give up. They accept limited activity. They accept that they have to have invasive surgeries. They accept that they just can't do things anymore. And I wanted to challenge that. I wanted to challenge the notion that as we age, we have to slow down. We can't do things that we have to live in pain because I've experienced with myself, with my clients, as you saw, there's lots of stories in there that we don't have to succumb to that. And we can continue to have rich, active, fulfilling lives late into our years. And I wanted that message to get out there. And I also wanted the message about posture therapy because a lot of people don't know what that is. 
And for me and my healing, that was the missing piece from all the different things I had tried. And I absolutely believe in inclusive approach. I am not saying that posture therapy is the be all end all, but hey, it was a really important piece for me. So talk to me for a moment about your healing journey. I'll be succinct as possible here. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So, um, So I've had four surgeries, orthopedic surgeries, I should say. I had three knee surgeries on the same knee for wear and tear type of injuries. And then I had hip surgery for severe osteoarthritis on that same side, the, all the left side on that hip. And I remember when I was in with the orthopedic surgeon for the third knee surgery saying, why, why, why does this keep happening? I don't understand. I see all these other people out there riding and training and putting in more time, more hours, more intervals than I was, but my body keeps breaking down. It feels like there's something bigger to this picture that I don't know what is causing these things. And that piece ended up being that my my whole leg, my whole femur bone was in a really horrible position. And who knows if that, that was from abuse from gymnastics for a long time or I was born like that. It doesn't matter. What matters is moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I was a professional mountain biker and my pain got to the point, my back pain, my neck pain, my hip pain, I couldn't even get on my bike. I had to just at the top of my career, racing pro, had to give it all up because I couldn't do it anymore. So it was a it was a journey. And one of the hardest pieces was the mental emotional piece and changing my pessimistic, always driving. I had to calm down. I had to learn how to relax. I had to be able to sit still. Oh my God. (laughs) Not easy. Not easy for an athlete. And, and truly I, my whole personality did change as a result of going through all of that. And just in December, my husband and I did a six day mountain bike stage race in New Zealand and we did a nine day mountain bike stage race in South Africa. These were after all of these injuries and surgeries, doing more than I ever thought I could, doing more than I did before. Nine mm-hmm. days, 500 miles. So my body, it was able to respond and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. So the message seems very clear that the body can heal itself, as it has been said. That's right. Yeah, it's amazing. So let me ask you, before I ask you some technical questions, um, why did you choose to become a professional mountain biker? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious to know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I've always had this competitive streak, and I was a gymnast before, and I ended up marrying a man who was a professional mountain biker, but we would we would just get out and we we would Nordic ski, we would bike, and I was always chasing him and feeling <laughs> like I wasn't very strong or very fast. He's like, you should race. So I raced and I did well and I kept doing more and kept chasing him. And and eventually it was like, yeah, okay, I can I can do this. And it, it filled that need for me. There's good and bad to that, but it filled that need of being competitive and having that physical challenge. Because I do like to challenge myself physically and also mentally, emotionally. Having having something that's that's difficult um, really drives me. So that's a um, personality trait. I hear a lot about the subject of being the same as men, like we can do anything that men can do. <laughs> I don't know about that, Jessica. <laughs> I don't think we're built physically. <laughs> I don't know. You see, I don't know. That's the feminist thing. I don't talk about that much. But I think we can do a lot. But I think we have personality traits like women. It's more into nurturing and, I don't know, softer things. <laughs> but anyway, did your husband, did he have any injuries? 
Um, he has had four knee surgeries as well. Oh, oh so the same. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but his his first sur- surgery was um, um, an ACL ligament in his knee that got blown out with soccer. So that was a traumatic acute type injury, whereas mine were these chronic slow building injuries. And once you have an ACL like that, sometimes then you'll have meniscus problems and so forth. So it was it was a different scenario. And his, as I, I think I might have said, was in soccer. We, we are not physically the same as men, even though we don't want to accept that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm at least 40 pounds less than my husband, six inches shorter. We just, we have smaller hearts, smaller lungs. You're, we're not going to be able to, I, I can't hang with my, my husband on these rides. But of course I thought I could. And that's why competition was actually so great because when I got into the correct field of where I should be comparing myself, then I could really see where I stacked up. So what are the main causes for chronic physical pain? Well, there can be just genetic type of issues that that you're born with that you might have just deformities in in your structure itself maybe not deformities might not be the the right word but but they're just not quite quite right and that can create a situation where you have more stress and strain a lot of the chronic pain as as they always say is wear and tear injuries and really when if a joint is in the wrong position and we continue to move in a way that's creating stress in that joint, that's just gonna wear things down. If you take your your hand, your fist and put it in your palm and you just keep grinding in there, it's gonna get red, it's gonna bleed and it's going to really um, create a problem. That's kind of like if you think of hip osteoarthritis, which I had, if my bone is sitting in that soft acetabulum, that cartilage, and it's just rubbing away, that could, that's what can create chronic pain. Habits create chronic pain, the, the postures we assume, because our body is really smart. And if I keep putting myself in this bike position where I'm rounded forward and my shoulders are here and my hips are there, my body's going to go, okay, this, this is what is right. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to stretch here and contract there to hold this position, mm-hmm. even when I'm off the bike. And then I lose range of motion. I get dysfunctional in certain parts of my body. Other parts have to compensate. And it's really just a downward s- spiral that happens. So that goes for everything, like uh, sitting on the same chair for too long or whatever we do, like on a day-to-day routine. For us who sit down a lot in front of the computer, do you think we should change chairs often? And like, what are some suggestions to avoid um, imbalances? The first thing is that sitting correctly starts at the pelvis. The pelvis is the foundation that holds our trunk and our upper body and our head. And a lot of times when we try to sit correctly is we'll just try to change the posture of our upper body, our back, our shoulders, and we'll just kind of pull those shoulders back, but we don't adjust the pelvis to be supportive of underneath. And then we get fatigued and then we start slumping again. So to get into the right position, first of all, move from the pelvis And then I worked in ergonomics for a long time. I tried to get people to take stretch breaks. It's really hard. Some suggestions I have are as much as possible, get up, move around. And if you can pair your tasks with positions. So say you have a phone call, like right now you have this interview. I'm standing up to do this interview. Right. Or when I take a phone call, I might stand. Or when I do another task, maybe I'll take another posture. So changing postures Mm. with your activities, I find is a better 
way than telling people, you know, every 30 minutes, take a stretch break. Because if I'm in the middle of writing a blog or really <laughs> engrossed in something, I'm not going to take a break. It's just the way it is. But if, if I need to go and change and, and uh, do a different task, that's a perfect opportunity. And then drink a lot of water, stay hydrated, and you'll have to get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, that's true. That'll be a must then. I like this. Yeah, I like that. I love the suggestion. Standing for, would you say an hour, 30 minutes, or it doesn't really matter? I would experiment with it for your body. There's lots of different advice out there. There's 90 minutes, 60 minutes, 30 minutes, 20 minutes. I would see, and the body coming back to pain, there's a positive thing about pain. It can tell us when it's time to move. And pain, think not of pain as like this really stabbing kind of horrible thing, but just like a little discomfort when we're stationary in the same position, we have a lack of blood flow, things get tight, we have to shift in our seats. That's a trigger that, oh, I need to move and pay attention. Again, awareness. And, you know, I wanted to add to awareness was acceptance too. We need to accept and not be fighting what's going on. So I just wanted to throw out, it's, a, it's awareness, but then there's also a piece of acceptance and that's gonna help with the whole process of recovery. I love that, Jessica. Yeah, that's a, a wonderful reminder for all of us. Yeah, acceptance, right? I love the way you um, changed the word uh, holistic <laughs> instead of H, um, W. H-O, right? Holistic. I love that. And um, so in your book, you say to rid yourself of the pain, you must pay attention to your body, listen to it, and become connected with it physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So for a moment, I know we have been talking about the physical aspect. There's something you said in your book that caught my attention. You said that the philosophy you had was this about uh, mind over matter and no pain, no gain. And most of us, and athletes especially, I believe, they carry, right, these philosophies, these ideas. Yeah, talk to me about that. So first of all, we, we don't want to go down that path of no pain, no gain. That's in the past. Let's let's forget about that way of thinking. Um I, I compare this to body awareness, how we're aware of our body. We also need to have mind awareness and be aware of what's going on in our minds, how we're viewing our pain, how what our thoughts are, what our self-talk, what are we saying to ourselves about our situation, about our pain, about the future? Because those thoughts are going to create emotions and we need to be in touch with what am I feeling? So I'm thinking this and then that's creating this emotion that I'm feeling. So we need to understand not just what we're physically feeling, but we need to see what the connection is with our thoughts, with our emotions and address all of that. We've got to address the whole person. That's where the W comes in, in that holistic approach is it's a whole person. When I work with people, it's not just about looking at the posture and where their bones are. I want to know who they are. I want to know, you know, how they're managing stress, how they're living, because it's all feeding together in how we present in our bodies. Whether if we're pessimistic, think about it. If you droop your shoulders and kind of collapse your, your chest, what kind of a mental state are you in right there? It's like, mm. I'm, I'm closed. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm protecting myself. So our physical position exhibits what's going on mentally and emotionally with our bodies and our minds. That makes so much sense to me. And you have so many wonderful points in your book. It's really rich and there's so much information there that we can learn from that we don't have time to go through everything. We're almost at the end. The sections you have about um, 
posture and pain connection That's you have been talking about that. And then another one that caught my attention was the posture and breathe connection. <laughs> and that was really interesting. But you said something that I never heard before. <laughs> that's quite the opposite of what I have been listening from everybody I talked to. The breathing headline is the problem with belly breathing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to know more about that. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly why I, I use a provocative title like that, because it does catch people's attention because we're so used to that phrase, belly breathing. And really, I think it's coming around now. We want to think of not just expanding the belly, because if you just expand the belly, what can happen is you actually arch your back to get more expansion through there that's not good for your posture. That's not good for your core. And we want to think more about going all the way around the body. The diaphragm, the lungs go from the front of our bodies to the back through our sides. We need to be expanding in all of those directions, 360 degrees. So it's not that you're not belly breathing, but it's that you're also breathing into your back and breathing into your sides, because then you can maintain the alignment of your pelvis, your rib cage, your core, your strength. And that's why I kind of play with that term belly breathing. Makes a lot of sense to me. So again, goes back to that holistic approach, using the entire body or the lung area, diaphragm, lungs, the back, because it expands to the back, and then everything. I like that. I really like that, Jessica. You made me more aware of that now, because <laughs> I had no idea. I don't think I was arching my back when belly breathing, but most of us yeah, might do that unconsciously. Right. So that's a good advice. So I do have more questions for you. I call them final questions. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? If we had time, I did have a passage that I was going to read. This is from the end of my introduction. And it's really a message of hope to people in chronic pain. Imagine understanding your pain instead of fearing it. Imagine having the tools not only to relieve it, but also to prevent future injury. Envision being able to rely on yourself, not dependent on anyone else for your healing. Picture regaining confidence in your body, knowing that you are balanced and strong in your structure. Imagine no longer feeling like your body is a ticking time bomb, just waiting for the next episode of pain and injury. Envision trusting your body to support you in all of your sports without having to baby your joints or worry about possible body failure. Realize that you are empowered to take action and make your pain go away for good. This book will show you how. Definitely will. <laughs> I have to go back to it and read some more of the details. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica, for your mission. That's a wonderful mission, healing mission for all of us. Thank you. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful? I don't define success as what you achieve anymore. I used to define success by how many races I would win and things that I would accomplish. But I've learned that success, and I'm going to go back to what we talked about at the beginning, is really finding balance, finding happiness, joy, peace, and presence. Yes, a thousand times to all of these, <laughs> those amazing words that you just mentioned. Yes. Two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Yes, I would. And I don't know what those things are, 
Being someone who was diagnosed with a disease that could kill me, something shifts in your brain and your perspective, your priorities, everything is in question at that point. And honestly, from from where my brain is right now, I don't think you can... It's hard to answer that that question, what you would change, because it's just such a different, different thing that I can't recreate without being in that experience and having that as my reality. But I know things would be questioned and most likely changed. Yeah. Thank you for being genuine. <laughs> what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? that we can overcome chronic pain. We don't have to endure this reduced activity that we can get better. We have to put in some work. We have to take responsibility for our healing, for our recovery, but it is possible. I also know that most of us live in the sympathetic drive stress response state. And if we could all collectively make a shift into that parasympathetic nervous system, it would not only help our healing, it would help our world tremendously if everybody could just calm down, <laughs> be more tolerant, be more accepting, be more aware back to back to, to that, right? Yeah, yeah. So those are some things I know for sure. And I think I'll leave it with that. I love your wisdom, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you so much for your presence, your genuine presence <laughs> and your mission, your love. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? My business is The Pain-Free Athlete. And my website is the PF athlete.com and you'll find my book on Amazon but on my website I've got lots of blogs I just teach a posture fitness class it's currently free for anyone to join on zoom and I've got some free downloadable materials and I encourage you to check it out wonderful thank you so much again and we'll talk soon thank you thank you bye for now Jessica Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jessica Kissiel and her work, please visit thepfathlete.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.